Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Experts Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bellotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch. And welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. I'm your host, Kimball Otto, along with my co-host, David Blackman. And today, this is our live show in which we will be joined by Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, a great organization. We do have our phone lines open now if you want to call in and join the conversation on energy, which is very important to us all, or it should be. Please call 210-308-8867. Again, that number is 210-308-8867, or you can call us toll-free, 866-308-8867. If you have a question for us, uh, anything goes on oil and gas. If you want to still talk about Snowgate and the big freeze, what's happening at our Texas legislature, they're in session, we encourage you to call in now. You can also send your questions via Facebook. Uh, you just go to In the Oil Patch Radio Show and send us a message, and we'll be happy to relay the message to Jason and David. Before I bring the guys on, I'd like to tell you about the latest issue of Shell Magazine, in which, of course, we decided to cover the Biden administration and all of the um, executive orders, uh, things that uh, regulations that are occurring, and how they are impacting the energy industry. And of course, we know this comes back to jobs or loss of jobs. There's a, there's a lot of implications when we have an administration that is uh, looking to regulate uh, the oil and gas a whole lot more than the previous administration, which we will get into later on in the show today as well. And I do want to tell you about our upcoming mixer. It's the Teak Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, the uh, energy chamber, if you will, in which we like to advocate on behalf of oil and gas and help them try to keep regulations to a minimum and taxes and get involved in things that really make sense for our great state of Texas. So we encourage you to come and join us. It's this Thursday. It'll be in Houston. We have a new location. It's called Jonathan's at the Rub in the Energy Quarter. It will begin at 5.30 p.m. in which our speaker is Omar Garcia, the immediate past president of STEER, uh, South Texas Energy Economic Roundtable, and is now a chief external affairs officer for the Port of Corpus Christi. And of course, we all know how important the port is, uh, the Port of Corpus Christi, to uh, Texas energy and world energy, actually. So we want you to join us. Again, that's Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. If you are a member tickets are only $20. If you are not, it's $45 to attend. Um, This event is almost sold out as it is. So I'm encouraging you to go to shellmag.com backslash Teak, T-E-A-C, and get your tickets now. There's still some sponsorships available. If you want to bring a a door prize and and talk about your company a little bit, you're more than welcome to do that too. Again, this is an almost sold out event. Go to shale, S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com and get your tickets now. And now it's time for me to bring on my co-host, David Blackman, and the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, Jason Modulin. Guys, welcome to the show. Hey. Hey. Glad to be here. <laughs> Jason, good to Hi, see Jim. you again. Hi, David. How are you? Great. Good. We are very excited because, you know, this is our once-a-month show. Lots of questions for you, uh, 
you know, have come in. We have our phone lines already lit up. And so um, I would like to see if we could take our callers first before we kind of get an update, because sometimes they ask the questions that we're already wanting to ask you guys. So let me begin with uh, line one, Tom Tamarkin uh, in California. Tom, welcome to End the Oil Patch Radio Show. We're waiting to hear Tom Tamarkin. Oh, okay. Hi, Kim. How are you? Oh, hi, Tom. I'm good. How are you? <laughs> Fine, thanks. Okay, good. I'm uh, looking at the uh, September-October edition of Shell Magazine, Okay. and I see Jason's picture on the cover, so good to be with you. Uh, yes. Uh, I'm going to start off here. I'm going to start off with about a 20-second uh, story, which I think is very appropriate to your talk today. A friend of mine who's a well-known author in science uh, was on an airplane, and he happened to be sitting next to the president, I believe, of Chevron Oil Company. And my friend, who was an energy consultant to China in renewables for 20 years and finally told the Chinese to get out of renewables because they can never work, <clears throat> he asked the Chevron executive, why are you guys spending money uh, doing things in algae and talking about uh, friendly cows on television. And the Chevron guy says, look, um, it costs us so little money. I mean, it's millions of dollars, which is less than the round-off point of our financial statements. He says the PR is invaluable. Now, having said that, in a recent edition of Shale, the January edition, I wrote an article, <clears throat> which I refer your readers to, called Where Does Energy on Our Planet Come From? It's a large article, a lengthy article, and in the article we make it very clear from a scientific standpoint that we really need petroleum, coal, natural gas, and uh, nuclear. Uh, in other words... Solar and renewables simply won't power our country, or let alone the world. So my question is, relating to the issue about the American Chemical Society and associations of oil companies in your association in Texas, um, I'd really like to know how you plan to address that, given what I just said about the need for fossil fuels. Anyway, thank you and look forward to your answer. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Tom. Um, Tom, you're absolutely right. I mean, the world relies on over 80% from fossil fuels to power their, their energy, whether it's fuels or uh, power in the homes, electric grid, things of that nature. Beyond that, um, uh, oil and gas also plays a pivotal role in supplying the feedstocks necessary for modern agriculture, for all types of manufacturing, um, uh, and, and then, of course, petrochemicals uh, come from, from oil and gas. You know, I think your question is about some of the politics around uh, some of the associations in Washington, D.C., and how they approach the Biden administration. And that's still very much an open question, in part because we don't have uh, finality from the administration on, on some of their decision making, whether it's moratorium uh, on federal leases, whether it's uh, tax policy or infrastructure policy. They uh, are, are very negative uh, out of the gate and their talking points. We'll see where they ultimately end up. Some of those federal associations 
have thrown out some ideas that frankly we find pretty objectionable. Uh, that would be a carbon tax um, or other steps calling for the end of oil and gas use in the United States by a date certain. Uh, we think that's pretty ridiculous. Uh, for one, uh, but two, ultimately doesn't do anything for the environment, doesn't improve things. We become more dependent upon the Middle East and other parts of the world that have less environmental and less labor standards. Um, and that's contrary to some of the stated goals from this administration. Um, so, so we're not going along with the APIs of the world that have called for a carbon tax. And Jason, just to uh, cover that, um, so Equinor, Total, Total, Shell, um, they're all kind of getting into the discussion, should they be staying with the associations like API and Texoga, and some of them have announced that they're exiting as a, re- as a re- direct result of the carbon capture discussion, um, and they want to go totally green. But like Tom said, it's kind of impossible. So is this just a, a I mean... As an association, what is y'all's stance? Is this a P- I well, know I said mean, let me let me start with those three associate those three companies. They're all based in Europe, and they're very much chasing a European policy of a broader energy mix, um, but uh, will no doubt still require oil and gas production. Uh, in fact, Total is one of the only ones drilling in the Barnett right now. Um, so to say that um, you know they're they're phasing out oil and gas is 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 completely false uh, and goes back to Tom's point on it's good PR um, uh, to, to say that you're doing these things and also that you're chasing some of these incentives from these European countries. Um, but it, it's most definitely a challenge right now uh, that, that um, frankly, all associations and companies are, are working through is how to meet their customers' needs. Uh, and there's no doubt that oil and gas uh, is needed by this world, um, but how to do it in a responsible manner um, and, and still be able to talk about the good things that your company is doing. Um, and, and certainly on the association side, we're promoting the good things happening uh, uh, amongst our members, amongst our member companies, the good works that they are doing. Um, and we're not shying away from that. Um, and so that, that, that's what we're here to promote um, and, and happy to do it every day. I just think it's a little, uh, it's beyond just PR and politics when we look and see that there's going to be real changes that occur. Elected officials are going to make decisions based off of lack of understanding. Um, and, and then there's also just this whole, you, we have more anti-oil and gas stocks popping up in 2021 than ever before. I mean, it, the rhetoric is getting to be where it is an unacceptable amount of uh of PR that's being pushed that's not accurate at all and uh, very misleading. And I am hoping to see associations start stepping up and, and, and discussing, saying this is, this is not even possible. And people who are discussing this are very, very uninformed, if you will. When we get back from break, uh, we have more callers on the line. So we'll get to you guys. Just hang tight. You're listening to and the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we'll be right back. The 
Texas Alliance of Energy Producers has a rich and commanding history of fighting for the independent oil and gas industry. The Texas Alliance became a statewide organization in 2000 with the merger of two of the oldest oil and gas associations in the nation, the North Texas Oil and Gas Association and the West Central Texas Oil and Gas Association. Today, with more than 2,600 members, the Texas Alliance is the largest statewide association in the country serving independent energy producers and associated industries. Through our efforts in Washington, D.C. and Austin, the Texas Alliance is focused on a better business climate for you. The Texas Alliance has a staff consisting of highly experienced senior staff and supporting consultants serving our membership. Offices are located in Austin and Wichita Falls. Become a member today by visiting texasalliance.org or email us texasalliance at texasalliance.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil and Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us, info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, M-A-G, dot com. Or you can call us. 210-240-7188. Again, that's 210-240-7188. And welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We are live today with Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and he's here to answer any questions you might have on what's happening everything oil and gas, along with, of course, myself, Kim Bilotto, and David Blackman. The phone number to call in if you want to join the show is 210-308-8867. Again, that's 210-308-8867. Um, let me get uh, another phone line, because we've got phone lines going. And of course, we always talk to uh, Joe in the Woodlands. Joe, we do appreciate you listening to the show every week. And so what is your question this week for the guys? Well, Kim, we appreciate your show. You're, Thank you. Um, you're heading away for oil and natural gas. we got to start talking about it. <laughs> it just have exactly. to start talking about it. Exactly. And it looks like the uh, International Energy Agency has been talking about it also because, uh, as you know, they've cited U.S. gas as a way to lower CO2 emissions. Okay. But, uh, you know, with the Biden administration... They're you know, trying to crush oil and natural gas, and it's been revealed that it's sort of like a backdoor way for the coal industry, especially the foreign coal industry, to uh, take over uh, energy and, of course, dump more CO2 into the atmosphere. Okay, so you're saying coal so, is going to make its way back? Uh, well, probably in China and other countries. Oh, yeah, that's China right. China and India, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. China, yeah, definitely, most, uh, most definitely. And also in another uh, topic, uh, at a, a few lunches, we've been talking about the NOAA, NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association. Okay. Uh, you know, they send out the planes to check on tropical storms as they start forming, or at least uh, uh, low-pressure centers. And, you know, last year, they went completely through the alphabet and a good way through the, through the Greek alphabet, alpha, beta, gamma, etc. You know, we were kind of suspicious that were those all of those tropical storms, did the winds actually reach 35 miles per hour, or were they just trying to say it was in order to create more climate scare? 
I mean, it's always possible to look at the other corrupt government agencies. Not that no, well, corrupt, I think but. that's a very valid question. Uh, up until about 10 years ago, we only named hurricanes. Then we started naming tropical storms. Then we started naming tropical depressions. Uh, and so, yeah, you run out of the alphabet, you go to the Greek alphabet, and, you know, if we start naming, uh, and now we're naming winter storms. We had, you know, the winter storm, Uri, uh, the big freeze in, in February. Um, so, yes, it's all designed to, to create concern about climate change and create the impression that the climate is becoming less stable and more extreme when in reality and statistically, um, the, the fact is that over the past 15 years, the uh, tropical cyclone events, the frequency of them has been less than the historic norm. Uh, and that includes tornadoes on land. Uh, same thing with wildfires. The frequency of severe wildfires and major wildfires in the United States is actually significantly lower today than it was 30 years ago. Uh, but, you know, uh, these government agencies uh, in concert with the news media creates this impression that everything's getting out of control when in reality, these are things we've uh, experienced throughout history and things really aren't getting out of control. Jason, do you have a comment on this? Because I know I want to on the association. Well, just uh, go a little further than, than what David was pointing to. The past hundred years, uh, uh, yeah. death rates have, have plummeted in all forms of natural disasters. And in part, it's because of our ability to adapt. Uh, right. Drought used to be the, the number one killer of, of man in the world. Um, uh, and thanks to, to modern technology, modern agriculture, the use of plastics uh, to be able to move water, um, uh, we no longer see the death rates that, that we used to experience um, just in the last century. And so it, it's, it's a phenomenal testament to uh, human ingenuity, utilizing the natural resources that we have uh, to be able to overcome uh, a planet that uh, sometimes can be pretty hostile to, to human life. And, and so that's because of oil and gas. It's not uh, in spite of oil and gas. Well, you know, you, you, you're, you're bringing up a great point for me. What I remember is like, and I'm going to pick on API, but in a nice way, because I like API, but, um, you know, they last year had the slick commercials pertaining about all the wonderful things that petroleum does in your life. But I'm wondering now, was that the best way of trying to push out a message? And things like this, where we're having these discussions on, no, 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 it's not really like this. Let's start really looking and seeing how we've actually increased uh, the quality of life, how things are actually getting better instead of worse, really make a reality uh, or brings a picture to the average person of the re reality of there's, you know, you've got your dog and pony show going on over here, but over here reality is this. And here's what we want to tell you to get the messaging across. And I just wish that now I think the associations are in a discussion of how are we, how are you guys going to really be meaningful uh, to, of course, your members first and then to the community, because part of it is talking to the community, all of y'all's associations, and hopefully y'all get to a better discussion of there's got to be a better way of talking uh, to the consumer than, than what we've had thus far. Um, and maybe a lead association start trying to, to, to take that PR uh, problem and start dealing with it in a way that the average consumer can understand instead of uh, the energy industry does seem to always 
kind of seem like they talk to themselves. And that just because they're talking to each other doesn't mean that the community understands uh, the discussions that are going on. As, as a matter of fact, I would probably venture to say they don't. And that's why this show works well, because it breaks it down to the average Joe, a very complicated topic that has many implications for every single uh, person on the planet. Um, and of course, uh, Americans even more so, because now we're looking at the loss of of oil and gas, uh, which also leads into now we're more vulnerable from a national security standpoint. Taxes are going to get higher. Um, food prices are going to go up. And it leads into all these different things that the consumer should understand and know about. When we get back from break, uh, I know David and I want to talk to you, Jason, about ERCOT and what is happening in this legislature. So we're going to take a quick break from the phones and get to some questions that we really want to get to the answer to. You're listening to In the Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest-growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? TEAK is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. And we're back. You're listening to In the Old Patch Radio Show. Our uh, guest today is Jason Modlin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. He is live with my co-host, David Blackman. If you want to join in and uh, to the show and talk about all things oil and gas, please call 210-308-8867. Again, that's 308-8867-210 is the area code. Uh, Jason, We have a very important uh, session occurring right now because Texas only meets every two years to get all of our business done for the state. Um, And, of course, we know we had a a big snowstorm and uh, ERCOT ERCOT, uh, was very much uh, in the limelight. David, I want you to start off the session uh, of of an update with Jason, if you don't mind giving our listeners uh, an opportunity to understand what's happening. Sure. Yeah, Jason, we... Yes, we should should start by, you know, kind of talking about the events of the past week. We uh, here we are in the middle of April with two of the mildest spring days uh, in Texas that we can really imagine. No severe weather going on anywhere in the state for uh, one of the rare days of the year. And uh, on those two days, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week, we get uh, notices from ERCOT that they're running low on generating capacity and may not be able to meet demand. Um, I guess let's start by talking about why that happened and what does that mean when the heat really sets in in July and August of this year? Well, first of all, going into this past week, uh, there was quite a bit of electric generation down for maintenance. Um, As you recall, a lot of the discussion in February was about the number of electric generators that were offline because it's a good time to do maintenance uh, rather than during the summer months uh, where obviously that that, uh, generation is needed because that's typically 
where we have 100 plus days of, of high heat um, and, and you need that access to electricity during that time period. And, and so the kind of spring uh, cooler months of the year um, are good times to, to take your plant down, do some, some uh, uh, updates, do some weatherization uh, to get ready for the summer months. Uh, this past week, uh, very similar to uh, the events in February, uh, we had storms approaching um, and ERCOT projected that we would have losses of renewables. Um, that in fact did happen. Um, uh, fortunately though, the state stayed fairly mild uh, and there was not a need uh, for dramatic uh, uh, heat uptick uh, in homes uh, or, or vice versa with um, a heat from uh, a, a uh, you know, hotter temperatures uh, requiring air conditioning. So we got very close. Um, ERCOT put out their alerts uh, asking for conservation. Very large manufacturing facilities um, engaged some of their ancillary services in order to uh, not produce, take their production offline um, and not consume electricity. Uh, in some cases, uh, put electricity back onto the grid if they have the ability to do that. Um, and, and we skirted by. Um, and I think skirted by is the operative word because uh, until we get some changes made by the legislature, which are actively working right now, uh, we're going to always be in these pretty tight markets. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a, doesn't, doesn't what happened this past week indicate that we really are i understand things being down for maintenance that's all well and good but those are things number one ERCOT is supposed to manage and ensure that there's enough generating capacity that's not bound for maintenance to meet whatever right. demands are going to be made uh and then second isn't that really kind of just an indication that we i mean we're kind of seeing the consequences of not having built any base load capacity in a decade i mean I, that's I think, what's happened in this state we haven't yes, built I mean, we, we've had a loss of coal we've had a loss uh certainly of nuclear power where when we had anticipated expanding uh the south yeah. texas nuclear project and and that has not happened we've had some 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 additions of natural gas but that's largely been kind of these peaker plants uh that are more in response to uh summer months uh, right. so we don't have a great deal of base load new power um and, and, and maybe that and maybe that's the discussion jason we're going to have to take a quick hard break real quick but when we come back we'll get back on this topic you're listening to and the oil patch radio show and we'll be right back Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, any time for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts' specialty is those hard-to-find oilfield parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com.
And we're back. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of the Texas Alliance of Energy Producers, and he's here to answer questions you might have on oil and gas. The phone number to call in is 210-308-8867. And then there's always me and David to try to help give a comment uh, to a, a good question that's coming in. Uh, guys, we had to take a quick break. We were on the discussion of uh, ERCOT and are they doing a good job? And we talked about uh, the lack of baseload capacity. Jason, I want to give it back to you again because I had to cut you. Um, let's talk about how, how are you, how is the session going to end with something good when we talk about Urquhart or are these just, I'm sorry, uh, they seem like clowns. Like, like, what are they doing here? Yeah, so this past week, a lot of things uh, happened in addition to that alert. Uh, first, the governor appointed two new individuals to the Public Utility Commission, Will McAdams and Peter Lake. Peter Lake will be the new chairman of the PUC. Uh, those are both great appointments uh, and, and very happy uh, to see them uh, in there and, and working on how to reform uh, both the PUC and ERCOT. Um, second, the, the Senate uh, passed Senate Bill 2, uh, which remakes the ERCOT board, uh, making sure that that um, some of those individuals are in state, uh, that they are um, uh, accountable to both uh, the Texas Senate, but also uh, have some governor oversight as well. Okay. They also passed Senate Bill 1278 by Senator Kelly Hancock. This is a, a very important bill to require additional ancillary services on the grid. And, and I was speaking to this in the last segment. But, but these can be both power generation and uh, uh, effectively uh, efficiencies in conservation. And so uh, you, can, you can reduce uh, the amount of demand um, or increase the amount of supply. It, it kind of goes both ways, allowing for uh, that, that power to kind of balance out. And then of course, we've had some important bills in the Texas House also moved to the other side of the chamber. And just this week, we've got a few more dealing with uh, mapping of the natural gas supply system, making sure that these power generation facilities that rely on Texas natural gas have the, the wherewithal to not cut off the power uh, to their own pipelines. Uh, that's gonna be an important step uh, with, from both um, Craig Goldman out of the Fort Worth area, and then also Charlie Guerin uh, out of the Fort Worth area. And then I might end with uh, one more piece of legislation, uh, House Bill 1520 by Chris Patty, uh, which is targeting making sure that, that consumers uh, and customers in the state of Texas that have natural gas services are not hit with very large bills uh, this yeah. next month. Um, uh, and so those steps right. are going to allow for those natural gas service companies in our local distribution areas to run out their cost for longer periods of time, making sure that the customers are not hit with uh, large bills um, and, and able to capture that that uh, over a longer period of time. So those are important steps that are taking place uh, in the Texas legislature. And I feel confident that they're going to get some things done here in the next uh, 40 days. Very good. Um, let's bring on uh, Justin uh, Corpus line two. I know his was pertaining to session two, so we may have covered it, maybe not. Uh, Jason, are you there? Justin? Sorry. Justin? Yes. <laughs> Call. yes. What's your question? Yes. Uh, well, pretty much answered a question what we can expect from this session, but what bills might pass to help the energy industry? Okay. So uh, thank you for calling. And Jason, on that, are there other bills, too, that are you're following 
Yeah. So uh, there's kind of two offensive bills uh, th this week that we're pretty excited about it. Uh, I'll stay with Chris Patty first. Uh, he has House Bill 1284 um, that's on the House floor actually Monday. Uh, its companion is Senate Bill 450 by Brian Birdwell out of the Waco area. And what these bills do is they move the state even further in the direction of carbon sequestration and carbon dioxide storage within um, uh, the ground in Texas. Texas has been a leader in um, uh, this space in carbon capture utilization and storage. We're one of the only places in the country and in the world that are doing this effectively. And it's because we have the oil and gas expertise here in the state right. to be able to utilize uh, uh, both the geology, but then also the expertise of the industry to take carbon dioxide directly out of the air and put it into the earth. Uh, it's pretty exciting. Uh, again, another way that the oil and gas industry is delivering for some of these goals of reducing carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. I would say the second would be uh, an offensive measure from uh, uh, Representative Phil King out of the Weatherford area, House Bill 2189. Uh, and then the Senate companion is Senate Bill 13 by, uh, again, Brian Birdwell out of the Waco area. What this does is it makes sure that our retirement systems are not rewarding these banks that have uh, discriminated against oil and gas. Um, so we give out a lot of contracts in the state of Texas. We put a lot of investments into some of these companies. Um, and if they're going to turn around and utilize those investments directly against the state of Texas, uh, I find that objectionable. Certainly a lot of uh, legislators find that objectionable. And so what this legislation does is say, if you have public pronouncements where you're no longer supporting oil and gas, and in fact, you're being punitive against oil and gas, we're going to put you on a list that does not allow our state retirement systems to do business with you. Well, there uh, you go. Cut and dry. Um, and that's both that's advancing in both the House and Senate. So pretty excited about that. Well, I mean, it is kind of good. Um, and so if you guys need help in this area, please let us know. This is what Teak tries to do is is get involved and get engaged. We are going to get set up for uh, another break, but when we come back, I want to get back on intimate domain. I know David wanted to talk a little bit about the Permian Basin and those numbers that are going on out there um, and has it picked up. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and we're going to talk about it a little bit more on the Biden administration. You're listening to in the Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kim Bilotto, wanting to talk to you about how to age gracefully. As a woman, my appearance is important to me. It makes me feel good about myself when I feel I'm taking care of myself. And I have been visiting a woman for many years who has helped me with my wrinkles, my skin's elasticity. And you know, a lot of people think it's really just involving women, but it's not. Many, many men also seek treatments as they see the aging process occurring. I visit Cynthia, my friend of many years, who is a master injector for San Antonio Cosmetic Surgery. I I feel very comfortable going to her and allowing her to just do her work on me. Pick up the phone, call Cynthia, make an appointment and see what she can do for you because it has taken years off of me. So if you want a free consultation with Cynthia, give them a call at 210-641-4320. Again, the number is 210-614-4320. 
3320. Or you can visit their website at sanantoniocosmeticsurgery.net. Be sure to tell them that Kim with In the Oil Patch Radio Show sent you. Psst. Hey, you. Do you want to join the fastest growing oil and gas network in Texas? Ma'am, I'm all for growing my business. So you've got my attention. What is it? Teak is the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition. They hold business mixers to help businesses grow and network. Any cost to join? For the next 90 days, it's completely free. No charge to join. But they do want like-minded individuals to attend who are interested in growing their business and networking. Well, I want to join. Where should I go? Go to shalemag.com slash Teak and click on the join link. Enter your information and we'll get you set up. Join the Texas Energy Advocates Coalition at shalemag.com slash teak today. And we're back. You're listening to in the Old Patch Radio Show. Our guest today is Jason Modulin, the president of Texas Alliance of Energy Producers. Jason, before the break, uh, we we were on the session meet, that meets every two years, Texas session, our legislators uh, passing bills. And um, I know David and I have questions. We want to get back onto that. Um, David, do you want to start off? I know you have had sure. discussions on intimate domain and stuff like that. Go right ahead. Yeah, Jason, I mean, of course, it's our favorite uh, topic every session for the last 20 years, uh, eminent domain. Just kind of give us a rundown on where we are on that subject, and do you think we're going to have an agreement this time? I hope we have an agreement. Two weeks ago, we had a very positive hearing in the House Land and Resource Management Committee. That's really where uh, this bill uh, is going to start from, if, if it's going to have uh, life this session. Very good hearing um, in there, led by Chairman Joe Deschatel out of the Beaumont area. And uh, what he asked is that all parties get back to him uh, very quickly and provide him uh, um, compromised language that he can move something forward. Uh, we're now into to week two of that. Good things that happened last week were that the Texas, um, uh, let's see, the Texas Southwestern and Cattle Raisers Association and the Texas Wildlife Association signed on to a letter uh, endorsing the Coalition for Critical Infrastructure's approach. That's that's the group that's oh. made up of oil and gas, but uh, cities, counties, road builders, electric utilities, water districts. And so in, in theory, we have an agreement on paper. Uh, what we don't have is a bill moving out of committee just yet. We hope that that uh, is forthcoming um, in this next week and that uh, lawmakers can kind of rally behind that and get it done. You're absolutely right. We've been working on this for uh, at least the past four sessions uh, and hope that it gets done this time. Hopefully it does. Um, and it- Curious, uh, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about Permian Basin because there was a, a, a report out early from Rheinstadt Energy in which it claimed that the number of frack jobs in the Permian Basin in March exceeded the number conducted um, in the March, you know, the year before. So that kind of insinuates that there's a lot of pickup. Do you agree with that? Yes, uh, th- there is a lot of pickup. We've also seen uh, some rigs moving across the border from New Mexico into Texas. Uh, we've doubled our rig count uh, since August. We're now at 214 rigs in Texas. Uh, a lot of that has been kind of cross-border activity moving yeah. over into the Texas side of the Permian Basin. 
uh, again, because of the high level of uncertainty created by bad policies, uh, that being both the federal government, uh, but then also the state of New Mexico um, uh, trying to outdo uh, their federal counterparts. So uh, Texas is the beneficiary in the short term of that activity. David, I'll give you the last question on the in a Biden administration. Well, that, you know, actually what you just said kind of brings me to the next question, which was about the moratorium on federal leasing uh, that, that the president put into effect on day one of his administration. We had speculated, of course, that that would result in many of these companies that, that produce in both New Mexico and Texas moving rigs from New Mexico to Texas because we don't have any substantial amount of federal lands in Texas. And if I heard what you you just said correctly, that's exactly correct. That's absolutely right. You know, we've had a lot of uh, public pronouncements from the new secretary, Deb Holland, um, that oil and gas is essential and critical to the United States, um, but we still have this moratorium in place. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers provided comments back to the secretary this past week, encouraging her to continue to open up federal lands for development. Um, as you know, and, and getting back to our friends at the at the API, they put out a great study last year talking about the 120,000 jobs that are very dependent upon offshore oil and gas production. And right now that's at a standstill. We don't have right. permits and we don't have uh, the ability to, to uh, renew leases uh, with this moratorium in place. You know, it is so refreshing, though, Jason, to see, you know, you guys have your 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 finger on the pulse at, at the state level and at the D.C. level. And the the stuff that's coming out from you guys is just it's really good. It's informative. And I'm so glad that you come and agree to come once a month and talk to our listeners and, and, and break down what's happening. You know, of course, D.C. never sleeps, but but. Texas does every two years, and so it's really, really important that we understand what's happening. Um, but we are going to be winding down. This, unfortunately, is the ending of the show, but I want to give you an opportunity to, to tell us a little bit about the alliance because we didn't really cover that, and how do people join if they're wanting to join your association? Sure. The Texas Alliance of Energy Producers is made up of thousands of oil and gas producers across the state. We focus on independent operators, particularly family-run businesses. But then we also have a lot of the industry uh, that that is outside of directly oil and gas, lawyers, accountants, uh, uh, real estate folks that strongly support oil and gas and are working towards promoting that in the state of Texas. Our website is texasalliance.org. You can just Google Texas Alliance of Energy Producers and find out how to become a member. And and like Kim said, uh, we're active in both Texas and in Washington, D.C., trying to represent our members and and support the good things that they're doing here in Texas. You're doing a great job. I want to also close with uh, just reminding uh, you guys about our our mixer, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, which is really a a great uh, product to be used by the Alliance in helping uh, support uh, that we do support the energy industry, too. Um, And that is going to happen this Thursday in Houston, Jonathan and the Rubs, which is uh, Jonathan and the Rub, excuse me, um, in Energy Quarter. So it's a new location for us. And our uh, speaker will be Omar Garcia, the Chief External Officer for the Port of Corpus Christi, catching us up on what's happening there. But he also um, does uh, sit as an advisor 
um, on TEAT, Texas Energy Advocates Coalition, as well. So I think he's going to talk to us a little about the importance of the average Joe advocating on behalf of the oil and gas industry, because right now it seems to be quite a mess um, in the way of uh, there is not a unified voice in the way of the energy industry, depending on who you're talking to, and then now it's going to be more confusing for the average person to understand. Um, Jason, might I ask, will you be uh, attending the mixer there in Houston? Uh, I will certainly try to make it. Uh, uh, I enjoyed the last one, uh, hearing from David and, and hearing from uh, Howard Energy. Uh, it was a fantastic uh, group there in Houston. Uh, always nice to get together. Um, uh, these are being uh, longer nights at the Texas legislature, so we're actively monitoring That's that uh, here in Austin. And it makes it tough to, to get away and get to Houston. But uh, Omar does a great job. As you know, the Port of Corpus Christi is the number one export port for oil and gas. Um, and it's also uh, just the all-around best energy port. Uh, uh, they bring in uh, you know, some of the things that we, we don't actively work for, like wind turbines and solar panels, and they're shipping out oil and gas. Uh, it's really a remarkable They're just a very diverse group. What they've done down there in Corpus Christi. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you guys for joining us today. That's all the time we have. You, uh, thank you for joining us in the Oil Patch Radio Show. Until next month when we have our live show again. Thank you. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.